0: and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast, or simply have an interest in sport, you've come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation, and as always, plenty of entertainment. I am lapping up the sunshine here in Lanzarote at the moment. I've been here since last week and despite a dodgy few days of weather at the start of the trip, the sun has come out and the wind has calmed down quite a bit. I clocked up a few nice miles on the bike with the Galway Tri Club crew last week and on Monday of this week, Oma Tri Club put me to my paces on a lovely 90k spin across the island. This is the first time I've been based up at Costa Teghizi and have loved getting to see more of this end of the island. I've been tipping away with my swimming and a little bit of running too. My poor legs don't know what's going on. It's busy here at Sands Beach Resort and I have seen lots of familiar faces and it's been so much fun to finally meet some of the people I've been swifting with for the past two years and enjoy an in-person real life cycle with them. Great to see Oliver Harkin in person out here too. We've been hosting the Monday Night Swift Spin every week for almost two years and hadn't seen each other in real life for quite a while. Prior to coming out to Lanzarote, I had a busy week with Women in Sport Week. The in Ireland webinar was a big hit during the week and hugely inspiring to hear the stories and successes of the Beyond the Finish Line advocates. We also gave away four entries for the Bear events, Joe Duffy BMW Clontarf Half Marathon and Five Mile. Congratulations to Pamela Kane and Emma Joe Whitehead, winners of the entries on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Emma Porter has also been officially welcomed to trytalking Talking Sport to help support the development of the Performance Hub and the trytalking Talking Sport website. So keep an eye out for lots more articles, content and events in the coming weeks. This weekend sees the final virtual event in the Castle Race Series for 2022. We have a 25% discount on all Castle Race Series events in Ireland and the UK, including the virtual event this weekend. Use the code TTS252022 on www.castleraceseries.com to avail of the discount. I mentioned I've been putting my legs to all sorts of cycling, running, and swimming activities here in Lanzarote. And I can safely say that the newest and CBD muscle gel has been brilliant for my legs. I put it on every night to help with recovery from the day's antics and wake up with legs like new every morning. If you fancy giving it a go, Use the code TTS15 to get 15% discount on it and all the other products available on the site. Go on, you'll be pleasantly surprised by the products. Check them out on www.newestland.com. Now to this week's episode with Damien Brown and Fergus Farrell, two lifelong friends who plan to row the Atlantic Ocean from New York to Galway in an extreme challenge that will test not only their friendship, but their fitness resilience and also challenge them mentally, physically and emotionally. Taking on the mammoth task in May of this year, they are each no stranger to uphill battles, be it in sport or in life. Damien, a former guest on the podcast, is an avid extreme adventurer and explorer whose fascination the world has seen him embark on quite a few life-changing adventures. Listen to his episode number 12 on the podcast to get a glimpse into his life of adventure and his ability to push the boundaries to the extreme. Fergus has bravely fought a battle for his life after an accident in 2018 left him with a 5% chance of ever walking again. But battle he did. He fought hard to overcome the challenges and obstacles he faced in recovery and learning to walk again. Setting small goals along the way, he achieved his primary goal of being able to walk again and just two years after his accident, he walked from Athenry in Galway to the NRH in Dublin. A journey of 206 kilometres on foot that would see him achieve a massive goal that he had set himself only weeks after his accident had left him with little hope of ever setting two feet on the ground again. Together, Damien and Fergus are a formidable force. Focused and determined, they have left no stone unturned in their quest to row home from America. With one eye on the successful crossing of the ocean, the other eye is on a world record that, although hasn't been broken for over 100 years, could just be within their reach. Regardless of the record, with a little luck and some kind weather from Mother Nature, a successful row across the 4,937.47 kilometres of the North Atlantic will see them enter the ocean rowing history books and they will be the talk of their hometown of Galway for many years to come, leaving a lasting legacy for others to follow and be inspired by. Now, go grab a cuppa and enjoy the show. Damien Brown and Fergus Farrell Team Project Empower, who plan to row the Atlantic from New York to Galway. Welcome to the podcast, Fergus, for the first time, and Damien for the second time. What's the story? Project Empower, tell me a little bit about it.
1: Hi Joanne, thanks very much. Yeah, it's great to be here again. Uh, it is a, another, on my part anyway, um, transatlantic row with this time, um, uh from like you said the other direction so uh from uh new york to galway which is both uh myself and gussie's uh hometown so yeah we're we're um kind of very um driven by the fact that you know um you do something really hard and you can finish up in your hometown and you can kind of have an impact there on the kind of streets you grew up in and on the the current j- people who are uh walking those streets and and further afield you know we do we do have plans to push this out there as far as we can and and you know it's it's um it's a great thing for us to do as as you know friends since we were uh about 17 or 18 when we first kind of formed that friendship even though we've known each other since we were about 11 and 12 uh because that's the first time we uh clashed horns on a rugby pitch as two young fellas one of gussie playing i call so fergus aka gussie is what i call him uh gussie playing for uh Moniveau, rfc and, and me playing for go rfc
0: from that clashing of horns on the rugby pitch. Uh, transformed into a friendship of, of 20 years where now you're going to spend 24 hours a day for up to 55 days, hopefully less than 55 days as you row the Atlantic together. Fergus, how do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, so 24, 7, hopefully under 55 days on a on a boat with, with one other person. Um, so we, our relationship has to be pretty solid, but I'm sure, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of ups and downs with like The key thing is when we come back from from the road and we're arriving to Galway, that we'll come back as a kind of a unit, you know. So it's just a matter of we're going to have to um, work really hard on our relationship uh, when we're out there it's definitely not going to be plain sailing like you know so it's going to be very interesting
0: Before we get into the nitty gritty of maybe some of the training and and how it's going to work when you're out on the boat uh, rowing back from America to Galway you mentioned that you've been friends for, for 20 years but uh, life hasn't been uh, plain sailing for you Fergus you had a workplace accident a couple of years ago which left you paralysed from the belly button down but have now come through that and now taking on this massive project can you talk me through maybe some of what life was like after that accident happened and how you've gotten to this point now where you can take on this mammoth project and this role
2: I've been very very lucky um, you know um, from being classed as a grade A spinal cord injury to to now getting the opportunity to roll across the Atlantic with Damo. Um the journey has been um, you know there's been obviously at the beginning there was uh, there was a lot of doubt there's a lot of How to say deep thinking? There was a lot of um oh gray areas, but look, it's not far off after having the actual operation and you know lying in the bed. I did make a very conscious decision to stay positive and to show the world that I am positive because I knew my family and my friends and my kids. You know, they if I was if I was in a if I portrayed a person who was you know really down himself and. Uh, upset it would have a, a a really bad detriment effect you know on the rest of the people who were around me so but look that me ultimately um, you know paid huge dividends because obviously I kept my own mind extremely positive and I think that had a huge bearing on where I am now and ultimately throughout this whole process um, I've always been setting challenges for myself to for argument's sake um, like I was told you know after, basically after the operation, that if you get any sign of movement uh, within the first 72 hours of the operation, you have a 5% chance of, you know, of getting some sort of uh, strength back. Now that's 5%, only four people in a million get a spinal cord injury. So that's 5% of four people. Um, I got nothing. I was absolutely nothing, so after that then, uh, 21 days later, um, got movement in my big toe in the middle of the night, and I thought I was hallucinating, eventually the person who come in in the morning to help me go to the toilet and stuff like that, give me out of the bed, I asked him, Was my toe moving, and they said yeah, so the consultants were going around the ward, St. Fimber's down on Galway, and he came in, and his exact words was, that's mostly unexpected. And from there, then just things took off and that really kept me positive because you know yourself, when, when you're moving forward and you're making progress, it's very easy to stay positive. As, and then uh, I, I'm a huge believer that um, I visualized a lot. Um, I stayed positive and that helps with recovery. And now, as I said, along those lines, I've set challenges, i.e. the first challenge when I got into the National Rehabilitation Hospital was I said to myself, no, I didn't say this to people. I, I just said to myself, I'm going to walk out those doors. Uh, And now I I did. Um, It wasn't looking likely for a while, um, but I I stumbled out the doors with the physio on one side of me and the aid the other side of me, which was a massive milestone. Now, uh, little did I know that when I came back out that I'd realised that, yeah, I might have walked out the doors of NRH, but I'm still extremely disabled. uh, And the world around me wasn't designed to help in any way. So I went really, really down and I got really, I got, I didn't fall into a, a very quick depression at that stage, but thankfully again, through my friends and family and whatnot, you know, they, they, they dug me out of a massive hole I was in. I don't think I'd be here without them. But then again, I realized at that stage, but well, what helped me in the NRH? What actually, you know, why was I so positive leaving the NRH and then all of a sudden so depressed? And it was because I set myself a challenge within the NRH of walking out through those doors. And that helped me stay focused. I had set myself no challenge whatsoever when I got home. I was just an empty space and looking around me, seeing people doing everything that I was able to do at one stage, but not able to do anymore. And um, so ultimately, when I when I got through the, the severe depression, side, I, I set myself another challenge. And that was to ro- to, to walk across the country. A year from my anniversary and at that stage i, I think i could only walk max maybe three or five hundred meters um at that time you know without without um without having to pretty much collapse so it was a massive challenge of 7, seven. i think i was only got you know, three three months to give myself to walk across the country you know so again the bigger the challenge the the, the more i i, I kind of raise to it you know and it helps me focus and this is exactly you know, this this challenge I don't know of any bigger challenge in, in the world and uh, if it's been a huge it's been a huge driver to for me to c- continue to improve and get stronger and get fitter and get healthier and live a better life. So for for that I have a huge um, thanks for Demo to allow me to do the project with him as it took a huge leap of faith for him to to take me on. And and, and that's that's how I've progressed throughout the last few years, you know, put challenges in front of me, stay positive uh, and keep driving on.
0: It must have taken a huge toll on your life in general, Fergus, did it?
2: Um, this might sound absolutely daft, okay, but the possibly was the best thing that has happened to me. I has had massive upheaval, but I have come out of it living um, a better lifestyle, a less stressful lifestyle um i now know what really matters in life where one time i probably was a little bit materialistic and not enough time for people and stuff like that because everything for me was about being successful at business um and everything else was second to that where now it's it's not people are the most important thing to me in life my family my friends and living kind of um not not putting as much pressure on myself as what i used to so you know that that might as I said, it might sound daft, but ultimately I've definitely um the accident has helped me turn my life around and live and a better and, and definitely a more fulfilling life and a life that um I can say I'm proud of.
0: Yeah, sometimes it takes something as big and life-changing as an accident like that to, I suppose, get you to sit back and reflect and see on, on what actually matters. So congratulations on on getting this far. Um, and it's been some hell of a journey for you Uh, Damien I want to jump in and ask you a little bit about where you've been and what you've been up to since we spoke last which was October 2019 you were episode number 12 of the podcast I know you're now based in Australia have a a baby that's nearly one year old that's running rings around you and showing signs of sheer curiosity and fascination with the world just like your daddy Um, but where have you been and what have you been up to
1: um let me think back now october 19 so i would have been post um denali right and um so i was at that stage i was kind of deep in the um seven summits um project which was uh, for anyone who doesn't know is to uh, climb the highest mountain on each continent. Um, and I probably had even finished number five, which was Karsten's Pyramid in um, in West Papua, Indonesia. And I was building up, I suppose, for 2020 and Mount Everest. And uh, and that was going pretty well for a while. And then training was going great. And I was on a, where what I felt in a good space. And I think it was Paddy's Day 2020. Uh, the world closed down and uh, <laughs> dash expedition was put on ice for a year but uh in the interim i met a a lovely australian girl called Roselle, and um and we're now the proud parents and uh joy-filled parents of little elodie Nell brown Uh, she'll be one year old on uh fourth of april so uh, pretty soon and i did get that attempt on mount everest in um in 2021 all real last minute literally uh i left australia um five days after elodie was born it was all a bit mad um, I didn't think I was going to go and uh, I was like dealing with the climbing company and, and they they knew the story like but I was like listen we're going to make a call on this after the birth and then Elodie went, went two weeks over her, her due date so there was all this sort of like craziness happening around that like um i was like to kind of going, yeah this is this is typical you know and the group i was meant to be joining was like they had like basically left Kathmandu to start to climb and i was still in in brisbane and i was like i don't even know if i'm coming but i want to come and there's all this like weird emotional um turmoil towards like something like I had worked three years towards and put in like two incredibly draining and difficult training blocks uh and wanted to achieve in my life and then this thing that was much bigger right like the birth of my first child and uh they were like clashing totally like and I like I was absolutely committed to, to that you know and been there for that and whatever kind of um myself and Roselle decided after the birth that was good for me like I was I was running with that. Uh, we sat down and everything had gone well with the birth and thankfully uh, mother and baby were, were uh, happy and healthy so um, yeah we just said um, we sh- I should go, I should give it a, a shot and there was, there was other factors involved here in terms of like finances and that and, and the fact that like I had sponsors and those sponsors had been with me since like kind of 2019 2020 and, and I couldn't do it like if I posted postponed another year i couldn't do it in 2022 because we had project in power and this is would so be 2023 and i was like sponsors will be looking for their money back and i'd be like i don't have your money to give you back <laughs> so uh, there's all sorts of um all sorts of stuff happening with that so anyway i went and uh that in itself was a a, a massive <laughs> roller coaster of uh of um elements or situations like basically i got covid while i was there Got evacuated off the mountain to Kathmandu. I had to isolate in Kathmandu for 10 days. Flew back to the mountain. Tried to climb Mount Everest with COVID, basically, or the remnants of COVID, which is, you know, respiratory disease. So not ideal for uh, high altitude mountaineering. Um, got eventually ended up getting myself into a state. So I, I struggled all the time, massive struggle, massive struggle throughout this like first five or six weeks uh, with altitude sickness and COVID. And then I finally got myself into a state where I was like, geez, do you know what? like this could actually happen i'm starting to feel a bit stronger start to regain some confidence literally the night before we were going to make our summit the start for our summit rotation um our summit bid um we got a we got a basically a, a call to a meeting where we were told that all our sherpa at camp two and camp four had um tested positive for COVID. so they all got pulled off the mountain and retested. And sure enough, they all had COVID, so they shut the expedition down. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that was just, I mean, kind of, it was kind of fitting to the, the shit show of an expedition it was. Um, so, yeah, basically after that, then um, it was it was back to Australia and um, I was here for a number of months and then flew back to Ireland there recently and, and did a, a good train and block with Gussie. And we've just been working on Project Empower and, and trying to bring in funding and trying to you know it's a a huge expedition and it's totally unsupported like so we're doing everything ourselves you know so uh, it's it's this mammoth kind of um, far-reaching thing uh, and it takes a lot of work so we've been working away on that and uh, and here we are I think uh, think you're up to speed
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where to start with asking questions from now on Um, but I guess my first question is going to be Damien, why did you decide to invite Fergus to be on the team for Project Empower?
1: But Gussie had said to me that he was interested in, um, you know, he talked about how important challenges in, is to him. And I, honestly, I think it's really important generally to, to everyone, you know, and, and, um, it's a real healthy thing. is to continue challenge yourself for, for yourself, you know, to, to lift yourself up. So he had mentioned to me that he was interested in, um, in doing something. And then, uh, I think I had, before that I had said to him that, um, I was thinking of doing this row in a, at the time it was probably in a four man boat. And then when he had said it to me then that he had interest in in doing it, I was like, I I kind of dialed it down to uh, a a pair at that stage. And I'd asked my brother originally um, and the two of us were, were um, set to do it. And then Andy pulled out, Andrew, my brother pulled out. I had it in the back of my mind that, you know, Gussie was somebody who was um, firstly um, interested and, and kind of, uh, you know, um, wanting a, willing to do it. Um, And then, uh, you know, his accident happened and i just was around a little bit and watching him and then i did the walk with him that he talked about the the five-day walk from at the to the, the national rehab hospital and i just saw like a, a determination within him and a, a kind of stoicism in terms of under the um duress of a um challenge like that and i tell you it was i did three days with him and it was not easy <laughs> anybody who uh um walks 50 kilometers in a day on on tarmacadam like this is just the first day i remember it well my lower back was in pieces i was never so glad to get the banda slow in all my life so um and and he did um the next day and the next day I obviously did all five days in a row and i did i did it kind of intermittently so just seeing that within him you know and um that all those kind of traits that are needed for a big expedition it, it was clear to me he was somebody that i could trust and would do the hard work work and graft that is needed on the ocean so um yeah basically i popped the question after that
0: and was the answer (laughs) straight away yes fergus or did you hesitate or was this something that you thought you know could be one of those big life-changing goals that that could give you a huge boost and and fulfill your appetite for adventure and for challenges
2: so i I was nearly going to say no because he didn't go down the one knee when he popped the question (laughs) uh, (laughs) but his
0: lower back was killing him yeah,
2: yeah, yeah yeah Uh, but no, um I think demo remembers I, I said yes straight away. Like at that time we had hoped to be doing it in 2021. So that was a year out, really, on the Demo? And um, yeah, and, you know, it's true. just I was here like going, This is a year um to challenge myself, to improve myself. I was here going, yeah, this is exactly what I need in my life um to continue on the core of was going on. Um and ultimately it's, made, it's come out to be a two-year process. And I'd be honest, yeah. Um, like it's it has been. Look, it's been amazing for myself, physically uh, and, and and mentally at at, at times. Um, but by God, it's been it's been. Um, because it's all gone through COVID and everything else. Like it has been a massive, massive challenge in every aspect, from the fundraising to you know just staying connected with it throughout the whole two years, and you know just. Now, thankfully, like it's it's two months out, and it's very it's very real, so it's very easy to to stay motivated. But there was times, you know, going back where you you know motivation was way in a small bit because of the you know it's so far out, you know. But like as I said, like the minute he said yes, asked me, I was like yes, big time, and um, I haven't regretted it for one minute.
0: And how does the dynamic work between the two of you? Because you're both very strong willed, determined characters. So when the shit hits the fan, what happens? Like if Damien's cross or is cross, what happens? How, how do you manage that? Because that's something that I imagine will happen out in the middle of the ocean where one or other of you get pissed off with the other. So how do you deal with it or how do you plan to deal with it?
1: we've chatted a little bit about this actually it's it's a while since we actually have chatted about it but we we do, you know it's important that we understand uh, what the stressors are and know before we even get anywhere near them how we at least endeavor to deal with them like it's it's different in the the heat of the battle you know but if you have a good vision before of beforehand of what you're going to do and how you're going to react you have more chance of reacting that way so that that would be the first thing and and we just keep saying to ourselves um we can't bottle into here, like you know, we you know, if we bottle it, it's just gonna come out somewhere down the line. 10x like you know so it, it's got to be kind of aired as quickly as possible and vented because it's just this one relationship right and there's all this pressure and stress and discomfort going through it so the reality is it's not going to be perfect like there's going to be times where we are fucking pissed off at each other and we're pissed off with everything the situation and the other person is going to get the um, projection of that so it's just really important that we're open and, and really bravely honest in how we uh, Um, uh, deal with that in those times you know and uh, and just um, and just trust a little bit that the other person is going to react um, uh, with compassion in that moment you know so uh, yeah I'm not I'm saying all these things and they might sound nice but the reality is that it's it's incredibly difficult so just having uh, an image of that before we start is really important.
0: You mentioned the word trust there Damien and between the two of you there must be a huge amount of of trust for you even pre-project timing because damien you're in australia fergus you're in ireland you need to trust each other that you're both 110 committed to this committed to this relationship getting your training done getting the nutrition sleep the recovery all the factors that need to be considered for this project in the right place um so do you trust each other
2: well without a shadow of doubt like um this, this, how would I say, this is, I don't know, I might be speaking out of a term, but for Damien, a lot of this is stuff is, is, I suppose, second nature. You're, He's a long time at it. So, for me, no problems in having full trust in Damien in relation to his preparation and everything. I think it, it would be the other way around, Damien having trust in me, which has, and I'll, I'll be openly admittedly, which has, um, I've given him opportunities not to fully trust me, you know. But I have given, I I, I still believe I I do give as much as I can. Um, So I do. But as I said, from my side of things, um, it it is, you know, this is Damien's world as such. And I've taken a lot of trust in what he's telling me how to do it and how to train and how to prepare. And I have changed a lot of things, especially now since after Christmas, especially with my my sleep, my diet, um, you know, my rest, uh, hydration. It's starting to pay dividends now more, uh, which is great. I know that means we're two months out. You know, we don't, we've don't only X amount more training sessions. But, you know, for me, I have absolutely zero uh, issues when it comes to trusting what Damo's doing on his own. Um, and also what he's telling me how to train and how to do things. There's 100% trust from my side of things because I, I see the benefits. I'm seeing the benefits every day. So... They're not to trust.
0: And how do your families feel about you taking on this challenge?
1: Like my Parents and brothers and sisters, I think they're desensitized at this stage. <laughs> <It's creepy. laughs> Maybe, um, but uh, for Roselle and obviously not not so much Elodie is <laughs> should have the cognition, obviously. But uh, for Roselle, it's not easy, right? Like um, I really, well, we both really struggled when I went to Everest, you know, and um, that was very unfair of me. I think, you know, on on reflection, but I um, yeah <sighs> How is she going to take this? Like, I don't think it's going to be too much easier, to be honest. Like, you know, it's um, it's a long time to kind of leave them, leave her, obviously, with a, a, a one-year-old. Yeah, I think, you know, we both kind of struggle with that. It's, it's very new to me and emotionally um, traumatic in, in terms of uh, um, how it hit me when I got to Everest. Now, I will have a little bit of... Um, I've had exposure to that now so I don't think it'll be bad in the Atlantic but I I know I know it's going to be difficult you know I even if I think of the the moment we say goodbye or like just been away. that i know that first week or two is going to be um difficult and i think it's going to be much more difficult on her part because you know um she's out of control like i'm in control of everything i do obviously and i i'm very um secure and confident in in how i do it but she's not you know she's not that person and she doesn't know you know what i feel and what i go through and the experiences i have so it's it's more difficult for her so listen it, there's no uh nice way kind of to dress that up it's just going to be really hard uh, particularly
2: for her like for me um my parents um ardent as used to uh going off doing crazy things but my parents especially my parents and my sister have kind of come very protective of me uh since my own accident because obviously the stuff i went through and and whatnot um so they are talking a little bit more about the, the the challenge now, but I I honestly don't think they understand the enormity of it. Just I'll be gone away for a long time. Um and that that that's it's fine with me because you know the, that means that that's the less they have to worry about because they do worry a lot about me. Um that's just in their nature, you know. Um but for my kids, um up until recently, um you know it's quite fine with that um because i'm doing it really you know to kind of want to show my kids that you know if you if you apply yourself correctly if you keep positive um no matter what the world throws at you you know you can um you can achieve whatever you want to achieve if, if if you if you have the right mindset um and that's the big thing about this challenge for me is that that, that i kind of leave some sort of legacy that they can follow that they can that hey, that's my dad. That's somebody I'm very proud of. So um, that's huge. But so over the last, Con's got closer now. Um, Bradley, my middle boy, he's very emotional. He's a bit, actually a bit like myself. Uh, you wouldn't think it, but i be I'm kind of I can be a bit, a bit emotional. Um, but he's now mentioned a lot more and gets sad, saying daddy's going to be away for two, three months. Um, you know, and that that's that kind of hurts me. And then a- Amy, who's who's the eldest daughter, she's 10. Um, she's a little bit more cool about it, but she's actually started talking more about it and stuff like that. So she's beginning to feel that, you know, realizing oh, that it's going to be away for two or three months. And, you know, she's talking about more and I think she's talking about more because, you know, it, it's it's on her mind, which isn't great. Um. And then I got confirmation only a few weeks ago that my boys' communion's going to be on while I'm out in the ocean. I don't mind missing a birthday because, look, there's a birthday every year. But communion is a once-in-a-lifetime event and I'm, I'm going to be out in the ocean. So when I heard that and, you know, and I told him, I wouldn't be there for him. He was very upset. Um, but we've we've come around that. I'll bring him off and get his soup for the day, and you know, try and you know get around it that way, and do a video and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's my parents are fine. They're kind of no problems. But uh, my kids, um, it's they're they're showing a little bit of I don't know nervousness or a curiosity that they didn't have, and definitely a little bit more emotional about it all. Um, but Oakus. I'm doing it for them, really. Um, they don't understand that right now, but hopefully in years' times they will. So look, I'm bouncing the bad off the good, and I think the the the, the good side of it is far outweigh the bad.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And the legacy that you'll both will leave behind as part of this role will be magnificent not only for yourselves and your families, but also for us in Galway as well. Um, I'm going to shift the focus a little bit and talk a little bit more about the actual row itself. So how is it going to work? And talk to me about your new boat, because you've recently had the boat arrive and uh, you've named it as well. And I can't pronounce the name of it, but tell us a little bit about the boat and how it's all going to work. I'm really fascinated to know how this is going to work between the two of you
1: um yeah so the boat was um built in the uk by a master boat builder called justin adkin um he built my last boat um but um that was a, a second hand buy from me so i you know I, I i didn't have that kind of direct contact that i had for the last kind of year and a half with about this build and uh this is a hand-built boat, so normally ocean rowing boats still come out of a mould, but because of uh, the bespoke kind of design and um, requirements um, that we've given, or we gave Justin, you know, he, he, he went down the kind of really traditional way of hand-building it from, from scratch, so that's why it took so long. And uh, yeah, it arrived there about, uh, what is it, four or five, six weeks ago, maybe, uh, Gussie, into Galway, and uh, we haven't actually rowed it yet, we <laughs> <It> literally <laughs> came uh, the day before I was to leave for Australia and even at that it didn't look like it was going to make it for we had a launch event that day so it came two hours before that launch event and um, we were very happy and relieved (laughs) to see it but it meant uh, we haven't had a chance really to get out in it. But I'm home in uh, about ten days, and we're going to do some some uh, kind of intense training on the Atlantic. But uh, yeah, the boat's called, and I I do get a bit nervous. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a fluent Irish speaker, far from it. But we went with an Irish name uh, called uh, Cushlamacri. That means pulse of your heart in Irish, and it, apparently we we threw it out there on social media to our followers to kind of uh, give suggestions, and apparently this was the name of one of the um, coffin ships or the famine ships that left Galway for New York uh, with uh, a family called the Bodkin family from Galway abroad who made it to New York. And um, one of their ancestors wrote a book about it. We just love the suggestion. Like we had some phenomenal suggestions, but that was the one that really stuck out for both of us. I think it was just very synergistic for us uh, to what we're doing. So yeah, that's... That's the boat kind of covered, and if he wants to chat about the actual the row, and and you know I can kind of come in as well on
2: that. Yeah. So um, it's five thousand kilometers, New York to Galway. For the first twenty 36 hours, um, the two sort of us will be rowing together and um, trying to get as far away from the Manhattan Hudson Bay area as possible. Um, trying to get away from the landmass and um, to make things. That's the wrong word to use, but uh, I suppose a little bit easier. And from that point, then we will start rowing um, northeast. So we're nearly going a little bit um, south when we're, when we're coming out of the Hudson, um, because if you look at the curvature of the of the, um, the landmass up around New La- Newfoundland, if we go directly out of Hudson and hit directly for Ireland, we're actually going to be rowing. Um, Kind of parallel to to the landmass which isn't ideal that's where people get the most difficulty so what we're going to try and do is get out get down this south and get out as far as possible uh, and then once we're out far enough then we will we'll try and make a, a beeline for 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 ireland and hopefully one of the big things uh, which should help us is we'll try and get onto the north atlantic drift um uh, which if we do you know that will really help with the speed But again, that has massive issues trying to get on that because there's giant eddies on the side of them and if you get caught up in one of these giant eddies, it's like a big whirlpool and big mass whirlpool that could be 20, 30, 70 metres diameter and you could be going around in these for a week um, and you're kind of at the mercy until it spits you out. It'd be great to get into them. But as I said it has it has its downfall. of trying to get identified, you know. You get a car. Then also, if if we don't go far enough south, we could be going to bits of the Grand Banks, which is you um, um, I suppose famous to people for for the the movie The Perfect Storm with George Clooney. But it's a really fertile region in the North Atlantic, and it's massive fishing boats and everything like that. But it's also it's notorious for very 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 thick fog. Um, so you could be rowing through that um, and literally only being able to see a few foot in front of you but at the same time still hearing about their, your fishing boats in a distance from you but you have actually no idea where they are um, so that could be something that's quite, um, um, how to say, fearful uh, could bring a lot of different senses um, more than likely come across a couple of storms possible of a hurricane so there's so much that Mother Nature controls while we're out there so we will be at that mercy we believe we'll be conditioned well enough that if we do get the, the uh, correct uh, weather and everything goes for us, that we'll have correct conditioning and we'll be in the right place to actually go for the world record and and to achieve it. But look, that's all down to Mother Nature. If Mother Nature lets us do it.
0: Before we go back to talk about um, some of the the weathers and the storms and, and the, the mapping and that, what is the record?
1: It's 55 days and 13 hours set 126 years ago um by uh the first people to ever row an ocean two norwegians who were living in uh, america at the time and working on i think they were kind of dockers or something in new york and and one of them had this idea that um he would make them famous uh and they'd make their riches by rowing across the atlantic and, and doing talks in london and paris about us and uh And they made it they were called um harbo and samuelson and they made it to london and then they actually they um rode then when they got to london or to the uk across to france and unfortunately nobody cared (laughs) they kind of went back to new york with the tails between their legs but yeah an incredible kind of story that like you know if you compare what we're doing to what they did it's you know it's honestly it's kind of night and day to a certain extent like they they were in a, an open rowing boat they had all their supplies you know including water and, and canned food uh, on the boat and then you know at night they just pull a tarp over themselves and go to sleep like you know um <laughs> uh so uh, navigating with a sextant you know um and they still made it and they made it 55 days and 13 hours to the to silly isles from manhattan and it's been attempted 18 times since that by pair boats and nobody's got anywhere near well sorry um a couple of norwegians a few years ago made did 58 days but that's as close as anyone's come to breaking it um and only of those 18 boats that have attempted it, only six of them have actually got across the atlantic so um it just shows you like those Harborn salmons sammons and their 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 story is just absolutely astronomically incredible like but uh, we have nothing bush kind of um the utmost respect and and you know the world record for us is um, it's just it's something that gives us real direction in everything we do but like you know we, we know that like even if we were to break it it doesn't compare to anything what they did and, and you know like again just nothing but like admiration and respect for them and, but it, it's just it's a nice thing for us to to try and aim for and it's where our standards lie you know so it gives great purpose around every decision that has to be made and all our training and all our preparation and how we set out the boat and, you know, every, like I said, every decision in, in the project. So, um, yeah, but a pretty incredible story.
0: It's hard to believe it's 120 something years. And when you consider all of the advances that have been made over those years in terms of the boats and conditioning, training, recovery, everything we know about our bodies now that wouldn't have been known 100 years ago or even from the materials that were used in the boat versus maybe what you guys might use. Um, it's mm. incredible, really. I, I like the idea of you having the world record as the target as well. I can kind of get that, that it's not just the target being to to row into Galway city. I presume it's the docks you're going to try and row into in Galway, but that it gives you another sense of the, the time element of it. Cause you could say, oh, we'll just do it and we'll just do it to finish it. But at least now you have some sort of a goal or a target to achieve, Fergus, talk to me about uh, these weather things because how do you deal with the hurricane or with the Gulf Stream and the North Atlantic Drift if it doesn't go your way? Like, what happens out in the ocean? Do you even know?
2: um Well, I suppose that's going to be a huge learning curve, especially for me, as as I've, I've never done that thing even remotely like this. Um, like the first time I ever actually went out in the was a couple of years ago or a year and a bit ago on our cork row from Northern islands in and now obviously damien has um, a good experience from his south atlantic row look at it if a hurricane comes like you literally will just hunker down um uh, put out the power anchor and you literally hang on for dear life there'll be a place where you can i suppose it's nearly like a seatbelt to strap yourself in so you're not thrown around the, the small little space you have, and uh, you just ride it out. Um, now, the boat itself is a self writing boat, you know, so there's no issues there. Like, when you're in there, you are pretty safe. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, when you're being thrown around and um, that you're not actually um, physically hurting yourself or getting a head banged or whatever, you know, that, that would be, I suppose, the most dangerous um, thing that could happen to you. And that's the same with the storms. You just literally get in the cabin, uh, put out your power anchor, and just hang on and ride it out. Uh, and, and there's not much more you can do. You can't obviously, you can't be out, and you can't be rowing. There's going to be there's going to be days there where we're going to have to do that no matter what. And and and, and when we get the good days, we're just going to have to make up the mileage. I think that's for me, anyways, and I think also for demo. The big thing is that the world record is there just to keep us focused, to keep us moving, and to you know. Something for us to push at rather than just saying, we'll see what the day brings. That, mm. it, that just doesn't sit in my mindset at all. You know, I have to, there has to be something there in front of you to push for, to, to get the most out of yourself, you know, because then the day, like Damien, I don't think like if we can do it in under fifty-five days, and it does happen now, that that's great. Because I don't want like I don't want to be out there for ninety days. I don't want to be out there for hundred days. I want to get home. And when I leave New York, the only thing I have in my head is obviously what we're doing right in front of us there now. But I want to get home. I want to row into that guy docks and see people there. I want to see my family. I want to see my kids. And that's what's most important to to me. Um, you know, so. You know, whatever we have to do, we will just do it. And hopefully if these storms do come or a hurricane does come, that we just hunker down, survive them and get on, get back rowing.
0: You mentioned there that for like the first 24, 36 hours, you might try and row together to get away from Manhattan. So then once you do get away and you're on the right path back to, to Ireland, how does it work?
1: Yeah, we have a pretty um, detailed plan around that. So basically, uh, like first 24, 36 hours is twos up non-stop, uh, apart from eating and um, a bit of documenting, because we're doing a documentary around this. Um, and the reason is, as Gussie talked about earlier, is to get away as far away from New York and the landmass and the um, tidal currents and winds and all that. And then we're going to go into our default pattern, which is two hours on, one hour off. So basically, that means that, say, I start at 6 a.m., he'll come on the oars at 7am, we'll row together for an hour, then I'll get off, he'll row on his own, and we'll just cycle through that 24 hours a day until we get to the other. Well, You know, there'll be a bit of learning around this, but that's our that's as we start, that's the plan. That's our default pattern, uh, shift pattern. And then at night um, from midnight to 3 a.m., one of us will row for that three hours. And then um, at 3 a.m. we'll swap and the other person will row to 6 a.m. So that gives us both a three hour window to kind of get a, a half decent block of sleep. And then, uh, we have other kind of shift patterns that we can consider depending on, you know, the, the kind of, um, the conditions and what we're facing. But, uh, I think that's, that's where we're at right now. So that would mean 15 hours rowing each, uh, every day. And, um, eight of those will be eight of those hours will be together. And the reason, um, and something we haven't touched on and, and something around the world record and, and our goals and all that is that we've, um, uh, a totally kind of innovative design in in how we've set up the boat so traditionally in ocean rowing people sit if there's two people rowing at the same time they sit in front and behind each other and they both have two oars each um what we've decided to do is give ourselves um set up the boat that we can row as an individual where we both have two oars or together where we only both have one oar each and we row side by side so this is never as far as we know and justin and the boat designer phil morrison it's never been attempted or tried in ocean rowing so Uh, There's a bit of unknown around it, but um, the reasoning behind this is that so we've we've made the boat shorter uh, than a normal ocean rowing boat. So it's 6.2 meters, meaning that there's less surface to water area. So less drag. So it should be faster. And then uh, we believe that having only one or each we can put the same amount of power, if not more, into the water um, than if we had two oars each rowing together. Because what happens often in ocean rowing, are basically 90% of the time, is the boat's constantly pitching on the waves, you know. Uh, you only actually get one of those oars in the water because often you kind of miss the water with the other one, or you catch like a tiny slip of the blade or like a quarter of the blade because you know you, you can't have obviously peripheral vision on both sides you know where you're placing the oars so we we believe that if we both just have one oar and we're just looking on that be it the right or the left hand side we can place the oar in the water much more accurately get much more power through the water on every stroke and when you are doing a million and a half strokes uh that matters and that adds up so like there's like i said there's there's a little as with enton that's quite innovative right there's there's a worry there is it going to work but also it could work out really well for us
0: and what do you do with your food how do you bring your food is it all dried food like you had for the talisker whiskey challenge as well
1: yeah that's right yeah so we have um we have a sponsor from new zealand the company called redex nutrition we're a phenomenal company like really like world-class standards and what they do. And thankfully they've come on with us and uh, they're giving us all our our, our meals. So, and our um, recovery smoothies and protein powder and it's the same thing right uh so we're plant-based um because they're plant-based and uh, basically it's just boiled water and uh so we're bringing 60 days worth of food ten thousand calories um a day and we've calculated that we're going to be burning about fourteen thousand calories a day so there'll be a bit of a um a deficit as people um uh, pop culture likes to call it now but like yeah so we're going to lose quite a bit of weight but um you know it's there's a balance there between like the the speed right Right? And the lightness of the boat uh, versus um, you know the, the calories and the weight loss, and, and so that's kind of where we've tried to. Um You know, hit the kind of sweet spot going with 60 days and 10,000 calories uh, worth of food. And like, if things go really bad for us, like that's a lot of calories, so we can ration that out. But, um, yeah, like, sorry to answer your question. It's just boiled water and added to the, added to the meal and it rehydrates in instantly, actually, with Radex. And then, um, it's real, real high quality stuff. So, um, you know, in terms of calories and nutrients, we should be, uh, well served.
0: And have you practiced taking on 10,000 calories a day?
1: I suppose the answer to that is no.
0: (laughs) And so my Uh, next question then would be, how are you going to deal with GI issues if you get them because of taking on so many calories? I know you're going to be burning lots of calories when you're rowing, but then how do you deal with stomach upsets or reactions or whatever because you are taking in so many calories and will your body be able to actually process all those calories that come in throughout the 24-hour period?
1: yeah we'll, we'll trial this you know when we get out on the water in a few weeks in Galway and uh firstly just to see how we react to the meals at uh, at sea you know um now it, it's probably a little bit of an unfair kind of trial in terms of we probably won't react very well because we haven't been on the sea since we did the Kirk Row that he talked about but um at the same time it has to get done like so uh you know you'd get a good feel for um in terms of taste and in terms of like tolerance to the to the taste like if, if this is something you can deal with for two months um and then we'll run through i uh, like the plan is to just kind of do as many dress rehearsals as we can in terms of processes and all that sort of stuff so uh yeah we'll run through it and see how it goes but the reality is is that there's going to be great discomfort in this um in this uh in this expedition and um ideally, like, so we're taking in 3200 calories worth of um, dehydrated meals, but the other uh, 6800 calories is as close to kind of food that we eat day to day as possible. Like, so it's all snacks, right? Uh, things like, like things that are real calorie dense. Uh, so things like loads of nut butters, like either almond cashew, hazelnut, protein powders, uh, MCT oil, olive oils, you know, things again, coming back to density of calories, uh, and then like protein bars flapjacks and then we have little treats as well so so the, the, i think the thing is not not to move too much away from that should help as well in terms of dealing with any issues that come about but you know they're they're, they're quite possibly might be there anyway and there might not be a lot we can do about it
0: what are you most looking forward to for,
2: for me um it's definitely about getting um getting pushing off and so again I, i'm usually to visualization so the big thing is for me is uh, there's three things pushing off and and eventually getting you know, the, the Manhattan, New York landscape um, out of vision, out of sight. Uh, second one will be just I seeing what sort of uh, wildlife actually we encounter while we're out there and how close it is and how personal that contact gets. That's a big thing. And then thirdly, it, it's 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 about seeing the Iron islands and uh, going for it. Just getting in, you know, the, those last few hours or however long it takes. But they're, they're the three massive things that I visualised about. Um, and I hope what I'm visualising materialises, you know. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're the three big things that I, I'm, I'm looking forward to.
0: We'll have to set out the bonfires. We'll have to get the residents out in the Iron Islands and all the way in along the coast from Connemara to have the bonfires lighting when you're coming in, whether it's the middle of the day or the middle of the night. Damien, for you, what are you most looking forward to?
1: There's something very special about like putting your heart and soul into something and actually like making it happen. Like I've had this experience with a few things I've done, things that come up for me is the Mountain de Sable and um, the, my my solo Atlantic Row in, in 2017. You know, that, that moment when you start is very, very special emotionally, like just some sort of peak experience you know so that leaving new york and getting that push away and, and out into the hudson and you know past uh, battery park and past the statue of liberty and then something that came up a lot for me and i remember when we rode um uh, the Kurok from Inishore into um, the docks when we passed Mutton um, Island, I remember thinking, fuck me, what is this going to be like in two years time? Like when we come in here and it hit me hard then, like, and I, I'm getting a bit emotional now thinking about it. I just think that is just going to be the most incredible feeling um, when we get to Galway. So yeah. And um, if what I'm feeling now is anything to go by, I think it's just going to be extraordinary. Like, you know, so, so that is something to, um, uh, something to look forward to, to say the least.
0: And Damien, have you learned to swim since you rode the Atlantic?
1: no not just yet but at least this time I have somebody on the boat with me who doesn't also know how to swim so uh.
0: (laughs) I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing I I have one more question for you Um, just out of pure curiosity but I know it's an unsupported role for you two guys out in the middle of the ocean but I I presume there will be support on land giving you guidance or advice of of weather and and things like that coming in or, or is that something that actually is even factored into the role
2: yeah, so we do have a, um, a really good guy, Chris Martin. Uh, he's going to be the weather router first. Um, so he'll be giving us information on a, on a, on a day-to-day basis. But he's actually given us a rough mileage each day what we should do. It's just another way of us um, dividing down the challenge on a day-to-day basis according to the weather that we're meant to be encountering. So I, I think that's going to be a really another good thing to keep us really focused and yeah that chris martin has 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 rode um not just one but several oceans so yeah. um really really top 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 weather. our router yeah we'd be in really good hands there and he's very very important to the whole the whole row so he's extremely
0: important and if any of the audience listening into the show want to support you is there any fundraising that's being done or how can they support you are we following on instagram and facebook or what's the story
1: yeah so um well, unfortunately, I think this uh, podcast is going to go out a bit too late for uh, the immediate support thing that we're doing at the moment, which is a, a competition for one person to, to uh, sorry, but well, one person plus one to come to New York so and be the person who pushes the boat away. But um, outside of that, we have um, big plans to kind of share this uh this journey as we go. So kind of similar to what I did before, bringing a a, a unit called a a BEGAN, which is a broadband satellite uplink where we can link on to the satellite and send like little photos and little videos home. So so we're going to do that and I'm going to do I have my own podcast that I did in Everest, and I'm going to do that again on the on the row. So daily, kind of like kind of review of what we've gone through that day. It's called Deep Roots Podcast. So so people can definitely follow us, and I think um, if they're getting anything from us, it's just to share what we're doing, you know. And the more people, the more eyes we can get on this and um, what we're trying to achieve, just the better, because then we have. You know, propensity and capacity to to touch uh, people with what we're trying to achieve, and 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 the ultimately, like we both have touched on here in in the conversation, is leave that kind of lasting legacy.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Ferguson Galway. Damien in Brisbane and Australia it's been a pleasure chatting to you both I can't wait to see how things all unfold and I need to put the date in the diary that you're going to be coming back into Galway because I'll be there to welcome you home the very best of luck with all of the rest of your training and preparation I can't wait to see you come back into Galway Thank
1: you. thanks very much yeah it's great to be on
0: thanks for tuning in I hope you enjoyed the show you can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com you can follow all of our activities and podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram, pop by and say hi and let me know what you think of the show. If you're new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be impressed and inspired by our guests. Finally, be sure to sign up to our new e-zine featuring articles of interest, some great discounts and the inside track on supporting your triathlon and endurance sport journey, wherever it may take you. Sign up on TryTalkingSport.com. takes 30 seconds and I promise I won't bombard your inbox with emails. Just the good stuff. Until next time, stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day.